Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Listen now to this gospel reading from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father, who dwells in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not... Then, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment now for silent reflection. Gracious God, we now come before you, hearing your scripture, stilling our hearts, and still our minds can swirl with anxiety, with fear, with anticipation, with joy. We have so many voices in our own minds, in our own lives. So many voices coming from without telling us what to wear or what job we should have or what vacation to go on. Or we just need more and more and more. And we end up anxious. We end up exhausted. We end up scattered and wandering. And so now we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would tune our ears to hear your truth. That you would redirect us toward you and toward one another. Help us to see that you know us in all our complexity and contradictions and beauty and brokenness. And your response is to give yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray now for our good and for your glory. Amen. Amen. You know, I was recently reflecting on the beginning of this church, Renew Church. And technically, we started meeting in Easter of 2018. I don't say we've launched the church. I think we're still in the process of launching the church which is very interesting to do during a pandemic. But the seeds were planted much, much, much earlier than that. When I was pastoring a church in San Francisco in the Mission District, 
Over the years, Florence and I would have San Diego friends come and visit us. And they'd come and visit the church up there, and Florence and I started to hear people saying things like, hey, you know, that was really refreshing. I've never been a part of a church before. I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. But it was really amazing to be a part of a church that talks about Jesus in a way that is both accessible and attractive. Others said, I would be a part of a church if there was a church like that in my neighborhood. Later on, other friends would come and say, you know, this is really amazing to see a church that not only talks about the love of God, but actually goes and pours themselves out in a costly way. That's really attractive and winsome. I think if there was a church like that near me, I'd want to be a part of it. And so finally, after years of hearing this, I said to Florence, look, I don't know of any pastors that have people that don't go to church asking them to start a church so they can connect with God, with each other, and with their community. That is why we're starting the church right here. Now, the second question that comes up when we endeavor to start a church like this, a faith community where we could be the very presence of Christ wherever we go, is who do we think we are to do something like that? That is a bold, audacious goal. And this passage that we just heard is actually one of the main passages that encourages my heart and that fuels the mission of this church. We can endeavor to do great and amazing things. We can join our lives and our hearts to one another and to God's to renew this world, not because we are so amazing, although you are amazing, because God has figured out a way to break through our darkness with his light, to reveal himself to us. Now, the scripture we just read is so profoundly weighty, heavy, and powerful we would probably do well just to reflect on it for 20 minutes without me saying too much. But since I'm a pastor and it's my calling to preach, I'm going to say a few words about this passage. And here's where I want to focus the beam today. When God shows up in person into the chaos of this world, into the messiness of your life and to mine, when God shows up into this world in the midst of a pandemic like we're experiencing today, with quarantine fatigue and stir craziness and all the uncertainty of the future, what is the word God says? Verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In fact, as you read through scripture, the Bible from the beginning to the end, if you highlight every single command that God gives to humanity, you would get the Ten Commandments, you would get the Torah and the law. You would get the, the golden commandment to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and love one another as you love yourself. But the one that's repeated the most is do not be afraid, which tells us a couple things. First of all, to be human in this world, to be frail and fragile is to be afraid. So if you're experiencing fear in any way, you are in good company with the rest of humanity. And it tells us, that though fear may be part of your experience, it does not have to dominate your existence. You can experience joy, hope, faith, and love, even in the midst of fear. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. To which our question would be, why not? One of the things I love about Christianity is that it's actually a very realist view of this world. It's realistic. It gives you all sorts of permission to admit to yourself and to others and to God the way things are going really well and the way things aren't going well at all. 
you can actually admit the ways that it feels like it's coming undone and God's hands are big enough to hold all the pieces together. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why not? Because I connect you to God. Because I go to prepare a place for you. Because I will send you out to be an agent of renewal just as I am. Okay, let's take a look at that. Do not let your hearts be troubled because I connect you to God. And did you catch what's going on in Philip's interaction with Jesus there in verse 8 and following? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Did you catch how profound that is? Jesus did not come as an ordinary teacher pointing the way toward God. Jesus came as God himself uniting us with himself. In undergrad, one of my biblical studies professors had studied at the Vatican. She had multiple PhDs. Brilliant. And I remember I, I had this very huge renewal of faith experience in college at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at the University of San Diego. And I would tell anybody who would listen about the way that I was getting to know God in a new and fresh way. And I remember her calling me into office hours one day, sitting me down in her office and accusing me and saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are to say that you know God? Who do you think you are? And in that moment, 19-year-old Matt Nault was sitting in that chair about as small as a sack of potatoes compared to this towering giant. I did not have an answer for her. But I have an answer for her today. Who do I think I am to know God? Who do you think you are to know God? We are people that God loves so much that he's revealed himself to us. A Christian can say they know God not because you're so smart, you figured everything out, and now you're better than others. A Christian can say that you know God because of the great miracle of his revelation to you. He loves you and me so much as his children that he wants us to know who he is. And when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. When you look at Jesus, you see what God is like, God in the flesh and in person. Jesus is what God has to say to this world. You see, the essence of Christianity is an extremely personal relationship with God. To know him intimately, directly, completely. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled because I connect you to God and you are not alone. The God who created you knows all the complexities of your life and all that you're facing right now and is intimately, directly connected, involved, accessible. In fact, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. This is why you don't need to let your heart be troubled. Now here's what's interesting to me. If this is the first time you've heard anything like this, my invitation to you is that if you're trying to investigate Christianity, figure out if you can believe these things, start with Jesus. Because Jesus is what God has to say to this world. I would love to have these conversations with you. You can connect with me through our website. Just hit the, connect, the contact button and let's have a conversation about this. And friends who have heard this before, maybe you've been a part of a church for a long, long time. Maybe you can quote these very verses. I want to point out that Philip teaches us a very important lesson. Philip knew Jesus very well. He had walked with him. He had traveled with him. He had heard probably everything that Jesus had taught. He would probably repeated it at dinner parties. 
He knew everything about Jesus, and he still missed the point. See, it's possible to know all about Jesus without knowing him personally and who he is. And so take a cue from Philip, and this, I think, is good news. It's basically this. Whether you are not a Christian, considering being a Christian, or you've been a Christian for a long time, there is always more depth, more dimension, more complexity, more intensity to a relationship with God. The best is always yet to come. He is the God of the resurrection, bringing new life out of dead ends, new possibilities where it seemed like you were out of options. His character continues to unfold in your life and in mine, and therefore, we have plenty of resources to counsel our own heart and say, do not let your heart be troubled, for the Lord is at work. Okay, do not let your hearts be troubled because I connect you to God. Secondly, do not let your hearts be troubled because I go and prepare a place for you. I want you to catch the nuance of the way he said that. I prepare a place for you. He does not say, you need to go prepare a place for yourself. You need to take care of yourself. You're on your own. I've given you the resources, now I'm going to watch to see what you do with it. Not at all. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. I do for you what you could never do for yourself. I rescue you. I provide for you. Years and years ago, when I was in San Francisco, my dear friend knew how big of a fan I was, uh, and still am, of the band Third Eye Blind. And the lead singer of Third Eye Blind happened to be one of her close friends. So she got me invited to Stephen Jenkins' birthday party at the Getty Mansion in San Francisco, overlooking the bay, rooftop party, Stephen Jenkins, the eternal rock star himself, presiding over all the festivities. We were there till the small hours, ending up in the Getty personal library, looking at beautiful artifacts and works together with the lead singer of Third Eye Blind and Mr. Getty himself. Now here's the thing. How did I get into that party? Did I get in because of my SAT scores? Did I get in because of my achievements? Did I get in because I had produced a Grammy-winning album? Not at all. I got in because I was friends with someone that had access. And they brought me into the mansion. They brought me into the party. They brought me into the celebration. I went from an outsider to an insider. Jesus says, God the Father and I are one. And I have access. I bring you into the mansion. I bring you into the party. These are not things you could ever accomplish for yourself. These are not things you could ever achieve or work toward. These aren't even things that you could ever fail out of and disqualify yourself from. I have access to the Father. I prepare a place for you. Come with me. Unite with me. Walk with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am more at work than you could possibly imagine. Now here's the other thing that comes to mind. When he says, I go and prepare a place for you, it's this image of him preparing a home for you and me to live in. A home where your heart can find its rest. I was reflecting on a sermon by a pastor named Tim Keller in New York City on this passage, and he points out, a park is a lovely place to go for a walk, but it's a lousy place to live. If you have to live in a park, it ruins it, because that's not what the park is meant to be. It's not meant to be a home. You see, your work, your money, 
your relationships, your striving, they're not a home. You can't live there. They could be wonderful, but you can never live inside them. You and I have to say, Lord God, all these wonderful things I love so much, if I make them my home, the things that will really give me joy, I'm lost. I'll always be wandering and I'll never come home. But when you can see that Jesus is the only one that can truly prepare a place for you that is noble enough, beautiful enough, substantial enough, strong enough, long-lasting enough for the weight of your life, then you can say, I will not let my heart be troubled because he's preparing a true home for me that goes beyond all these other places where I look for refuge and shelter. Ironically, when you start to see him as your true home, you can actually relate to your finances, your relationship, your career, your image. You can relate to those things in healthy ways because they no longer need to be your core identity because you're home. Do not let your heart be troubled because he connects you to God, because he prepares a home for you. And finally, because he sends you out to do even greater works. As I reflect on this last part of the passage, he says in verse 12, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. First of all, one of the things I love about the original Greek text of this passage is that word greater, the root word is mega. If you believe in me, you trust me, you're united to me, you find your home in me, and you will do mega works. In fact, mega works even greater than mine. Now, there are a lot of ways to interpret that, and I, I don't significantly doubt the idea that it means that you can go and have some sort of a spiritual power to do things you otherwise could never have done. Okay? But I don't think that's mainly what he's getting at. I don't think he's saying when you start to follow me and trust me, you kind of get these mega abilities to go and perform miracles, and now you're just more interesting at cocktail parties. Okay? I think what he means here has to be seen in light of what he has said elsewhere. Okay? So he says, you can go and do the works I do and even greater. But elsewhere he has said, greater love has nobody than the one who lays down their life for a friend. Elsewhere he has said, as the Father sends me, so I send you. And now he's saying, as you unite with me, you'll do even greater works than me. I submit to you that as we trust as we believe, as we find ourselves as the beloved of Christ, we are actually sent out to do greater works by pouring ourselves out sacrificially, generously, and joyously for others. When you know that you are connected to God and the loudest voice and verdict in your life is you are the beloved of God in whom he's well pleased, then you can begin to love others with no strings attached, with no codependency, with no keeping score of, I've done this for you, when are you going to reciprocate and do more for me? All of that becomes squashed because the generosity of God is continually playing the loudest, most beautiful symphony in your life. You can go and do greater works. When you can see that he has made a place for you, you're more secure than you could even possibly imagine right now, probably more secure than you feel. You can go and love other people with more security. You don't need to make your career or your finances your ultimate security. You can see them for what they are. Gifts, blessings, benefits, resources, but they're never your home. You can see it for what it rightly is and enjoy it for what it rightly is. 
And so, friends, this is the great calling that he gives us. To be those very astonished people in the season of Easter that expect to see a body in a tomb and rather find an empty tomb and a resurrected Christ who's conquered even death itself. And so we need fear nothing. We're able to face anything. And we do it together as he calls us to not let our hearts be troubled. Friends, may you trust and believe in the Good Shepherd, in the one who connects you to God, in the one who makes a home for you, the one who sends you out. And may you make this story your story today. Let's pray together. Gracious God, please do convince us in our hearts that we can trust you, that you're not only powerful, but you're good, that you not only connect us, Lord, to God the Father, but you also go and prepare a place for us. And as we come to this table in just a few moments, help us to reflect on your life that you've poured out for us. How do we know that you mean what you say? Because you back it up with your actions. You tell us you love us. And then you take the very brokenness of this world upon yourself. And through that you bring new life and renewal. Help us to enter into that great story, we pray, the true story of the world. In your name, amen. Thank you.